time to thrive. Welcome to the Thrivology Podcast with Dr. Lee Bauckham. Join us as we explore ways that you can thrive in your life, regardless of what life throws at you. It's your life. Time to live it. Hey, this is Lee Bauckham, and this is the Thrivology Podcast, the podcast that I designed to help you thrive no matter what life is bringing you. And today, that's exactly what we want to talk about. How do you deal with this this place of craziness? And so we're talking about how to be calm in crazy times. How to be calm in crazy times. And you know, it's just been a whirlwind. Uh, I saw somebody that said that it was kind of a, a tweet that said, uh, I wish I wasn't living through so many historic times. <laughs> right? So many times I have been thinking, uh, what are people in the future going to look back and think about where we are? And, and first of all, there's obviously that expectation that there are going to be people in the future thinking back, looking back. But what are they going to be thinking about what we've been through? Because that's what we do in history class, right? I mean, you, you, you don't talk about the common ordinary times when things are going smoothly and everything is just kind of moving along. We teach history by pivot points, by change points. And while there could be a lot of research about what was happening during time periods, for the most part, when you're learning history, you're learning through moments of crisis and through moments of change. And so I think that our ancestors are going to have a lot, or I'm sorry, our, our next future people are going to have a chance to look back and think about these moments and what their ancestors were going through in these moments. So just in these past few years, I want you to think about how up and down it's been. I mean, we had politics that were just creating a royal really Everywhere, not just in the United States, but around the world, there was a a growing trend that led to a lot of polarization. And that polarization played itself out in almost every other crisis. So we've now been through COVID. And I don't know if you remember it like I do, but I remember back at at the end of 19, uh, I'm I'm sorry, my my dates, it feels so long ago now, right? I'm already going back to the last century. But at the uh, kind of the end of 2019 in December, there were these stories that were emerging about this weird illness that was going on. And I remember thinking, gosh, I hope that never makes it here. And obviously, as we now know, it was already here in the States and, and really in Europe and everywhere else. And I remember thinking as we were coming into the new year, wow, I hope that 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 doesn't catch up with us, that maybe somehow we'll avoid this, knowing better, but wishing that things were going to be different. And here we were watching this polarized state we were in, and anything was going to be seen as a crisis and function as a bigger, an amplifier and a magnifier of the crisis we were already in. So sure enough... It came, and it came with a vengeance, and that vengeance amplified and magnified the polarization, and it went back and forth. So the crisis was bad enough, but then the crisis within the crisis, whichever way you look at it, began to amplify each other and build it up. And so we've had now wave after wave. I remember talking to my children, my adult children, about them coming home uh, you know, to kind of wait out the, the pandemic. And they said, you know, how long do I pack for a couple of weeks? And I said, you know, I don't know, three, three to four weeks. And 
that was wishful thinking. Uh, and I, I didn't really believe it was going to be that short, but I also didn't want to uh, be too discouraging. And so sure enough, they were here for, well, over a year. And uh, we're still waiting to get back to normal. About the time we thought each time we were getting back to normal, another wave of some other variant comes through. Now, in the midst of all of that, we have these international conflicts and all of the struggles that have happened there. And many people are starting to kind of, you know, quote the Bible and the end times about wars and rumors of wars and plagues. And we have to remind ourselves, this has been true many times in our history. This exact moment is not any different than what was happening in the early 1900s. There had already been one pandemic in the late 1800s, another pandemic and a war that was the Great War, only to be followed by another world war, and in between a depression. And then we've had wars since then, and we've had scares that since then. And so it can feel like this moment is unique. But I began to understand that what's really unique is the moments in between. And part of what we've got to figure out is how do we stay calm in these crazy times? And we've already talked about one way we do that. It's to recognize that our ancestors have been here before. And the people who come after us will go through this too. Until we figure out how, as humans, to work together, we're going to be going through these times of strife and struggle and these times of polarization. And so the question is, how do we deal with it? Because this isn't the anomaly. This is what we're faced with. This is where we are. And so while I wish that we weren't living through so many historic times... History has come over and over and over and over and will continue to come over and over. It's wave after wave that's brought this feeling of instability and uncertainty. But in reality, we've been lulled into a sense of calm. And now we're faced with this difficult place. Now, what is true about these moments is that we are also in the midst of unprecedented time of change and acceleration of technology. The amount of data that comes at us on a daily basis grows exponentially every year. The computer capacity for storage and for knowledge and for sharing that knowledge is just overwhelming. I mean, I remember... When I was young, reading about the Renaissance man, uh, but Renaissance person who would be able to know everything that was known at that point point in history, right? And that point in history of being that Renaissance man, of, of having that broad view, well, that ended some time ago. It is now impossible for one person to know everything that's known because the knowledge base grows so rapidly, The specializations are so huge, and the implications of that are hard for us to imagine because exponential growth is hard for us to imagine. I think about just the amount of knowledge, of known information between when my kids were in school and when I was in school and when my kids' kids will be in school, and it's hard to fathom that. 
And that's part of what sets the background for this. You know, it feels like we're always on this arc of, of trying to run to catch up and things are changing so much. And, you know, the car you had just a few years ago now doesn't have nearly the features, the automated features that are in it now. And just in a few years, that'll be different. And do you remember when a refrigerator, all it did was like keep your food cold? I mean, you could decide how cold it was going to be, but that was basically the setup. When I was a kid, you know, you could dial it up, dial it down, but you basically had it. When my parents were kids, you didn't even have that option, right? They were just trying to keep things cool. And now they'll talk to you. (laughs) And somebody, a friend of mine showed me uh, their refrigerator that will keep track of how much they drink every day, the water that's being uh, put out (laughs) of the refrigerator. And so we're at this point where the information is coming at us from all different directions, and we haven't figured out how to deal with all that. Now layer in the fact that there are these events around us that are hard for us to understand because the data of that is overwhelming. So much news pours in all around us, and we have to figure out how we're going to filter through that. This exponential growth of data means that we're always trying to hold on in these what feels like crazy times. And here's the problem with that. We humans like predictability. We don't like uncertainty. Well, we kind of do, and I'll talk about that in a minute. But we like to have predictability. We like to have certainty in our life to some degree. And the fact is that these events all around us lead to an unpredictability. And that's part of what you see people kind of pushing against, the unpredictability of COVID and the fact that it has changed multiple times, the unpredictability of the political scene, and it's changed so many times, the unpredictability of the world stage and how it changes even moment by moment these days. And while these same events might have happened just not that many decades ago, and it would have been a while before you knew about it, it's instantaneous. You know, the people who are in harm's way know they're in harm's way instantly, and we know they're in harm's way almost instantly because we have a data set that's in our pocket all the time. And yet we need that predictability. (laughs) We need that certainty. And we're living in these uncertain times. Part of what happens, uh, and the reason we like that predictability, is because it gives us a sense of control. And let me say that again. It gives us a sense of control. If today was like yesterday, and tomorrow is like today, we have a sense of how we're going to go through that. We kind of understand how we're going to move through the day. How we moved through it yesterday is likely how we kind of move through it today and how we want to move through it tomorrow. And so part of what happens is that when there is a, uh, an unpredictable event, something happens that we don't know what to do with, it gives us this sense of danger. And part of that danger comes because it disrupts our habits. And part of what I watched during COVID was a disruption of our daily habits. Part of what I watched people struggle with is that their habits had been upended. 
They were used to doing things a certain way, maybe going to the store and the shelves would be full and going to a restaurant and being able to walk in and going to the gym or, or whatever it was at that point. And when they couldn't, it disrupted their habits. And people struggle when their habits are disrupted. Some people lashed out in anger. That's really fear. Some people kind of pulled into themselves and kind of isolated themselves. That's also fear. In fact, what we were basically seeing is all around us, people were responding with fear and just pretending it wasn't. Some were admitting it they were, but many were trying to pretend they weren't and that they were you know, standing up in certain ways, but it was really out of their fear. And so part of what we're struggling with is the fact that when these uncertain moments come up, we're struck with this fear because it disrupts our daily life, our habits, and our assumptions. I think about how polarized we've been, and I wonder about how many assumptions I had made about other people around me and what other people around me thought and believed. Those assumptions are now gone. I now understand how many of them think and feel, but I can't make an assumption about it anymore. And part of what that does is it creates that danger feeling, the fear that we don't know what we're going to be able to do or how things are going to go. And because of that, we're always on edge. And part of what happens when we're not sure what's going to happen in the future is we get anxious. Anxiety is always tied to future, worrying about future events. And so part of what happens when we think life is just going to be predictable is that we can kind of stamp down our anxiety a little bit. We know what to expect. And so we don't worry so much about the future. But in these moments like this, the future feels very worrisome. Tony Robbins, uh, the uh, well-known life coach and self-development person, says that there are six different uh, needs that we have as humans. And I'm not going to go through all six, but I want to talk about just the first two. He says that we have a built-in need for both certainty and uncertainty. And so it's not that we uh, always want to have life go exactly the same way. It's just that we want that more than the uncertainty. So we have a need for certainty. We have a need to be able to get up and do what we're going to do and, and know what the day is going to be and know how it's going to go. But we also like a little uncertainty in that spice, right? And so you might think maybe you go to a coffee shop, right? And you go to that coffee shop every single day. There's your certainty. Every single day, you're going to show up at the coffee shop at about the same time and get your, your cup of coffee and, and head off to whatever you're doing or, or a cup of chai or whatever it is you're getting. But you also know each day that you could go in there and, and order something different, right? Try something different. And that's your uncertainty. <laughs> or let's say we go with how most people deal with life. They have their meals at certain times in the day. And so that's their certainty. They always are having the meals at a certain time of the day, but then their uncertainty. Maybe they have something different each day. And when you disrupt the certainty, the uncertainty can be overwhelming. We like a level of uncertainty, but we also like the certainty that's around us. My family and I have gone to the same beach for, oh gosh, three more than three decades now. And we go pretty much every year. 
that's our certainty. We know what we're going to do. We know what it's like to get there. We know where we're going to stay. We know where we're going to eat out. We know how we're going to get to the beach. We know what the beach day is going to kind of be like. We know all of that. But sometimes we do something different. You know, maybe, maybe we'll go see some part of the world that we haven't seen. So now you see there's a certainty, but there's also moments when we want the uncertainty. But here's the thing. If we keep doing the same thing over and over, sometime during that time we're at the beach, we'll go, hey, let's try this new restaurant. Oh, a little uncertainty. Hey, let's do something a little different. Let's try a different entrance to the beach. Oh, a little uncertainty. Just a little bit. And the same uh, can be gone kind of in the reverse of that. So we go somewhere and we see a lot of different things. My daughter and I did a trip to Morocco and every single day there was uncertainty. We didn't know what we were going to see. We didn't know how the day was going to go. And it was exhausting. When we got back, we needed a little certainty. And that's what we do in life is we balance those two pieces. But when you don't have a choice about the uncertainty, that's when it can, can begin to feel like we're stuck in this pattern of, of fight, flight, freeze, flail. Those are the four ways we deal with alert and alarm systems in our brain. Fight, flight, you've probably heard of that. And fight, flight is basically what we do when we are faced with a danger. Somebody's coming at us, you know, something, an animal's coming at us, fight, flight. Are we going to stand our ground or are we going to get out of the way to stay safe? Fight, flight. Freeze, flail is when we just, we, we can't do anything, right? We just kind of freeze in place or we try to do everything. We're just flailing around because there's not a particular thing in front of us. And all of those are common ways we deal with this sense of uncertainty that's around us. So if you feel like you want to fight something and it's not in front of you to fight, what do you, what do, you do, right? That leaves you kind of stuck and trying to figure out what to do. So how do you live with these crazy times? How do you find the calm? Well, let's talk about some ways you can do this. The first thing I would recommend is ask yourself the simple question, what can I control? I believe that there are three things that we can directly control. I've talked about this in multiple podcasts, and the links to those podcasts are in the show notes. But to remind you, you can control your attitude, aspirations, and actions. That's it. The way you kind of choose where you want to go and the way you say, I'll figure this out and the actions you take to get there, that's, you have control over that. So whenever I find myself swirling around in a situation that feels like it's very uncertain, I ask that question of myself. What can I control here? What part of me can I step back into? Because if I'm trying to constantly control things outside of me, other people's opinions, other people's actions, other people's beliefs, I'm going to flail. I'm going to be working hard to try to, think, to get to things that I can't control. I can't control politicians. I could vote. I can't control world events. I can help. I can find ways of donating or, or being of support. I can do those things. Those are my actions. But I can't make someone believe differently. I can't stop a virus. I can do my part to mitigate risk. So I begin to ask the question, what can I control? And part of what I do when I ask that question is to take a deep breath and say, what what is it that I can control? It's not a magic formula, but it helps me to remember the places where I'm trying to control things I can't and get back in touch with the things I can. 
The second thing to do, uh, and I try to do, is to practice presence. To not orient myself to what's going to happen next year, to what's going to happen in 10 years, to what's going to happen down the road, but what's going on now? Where am I now? Who am I with now? What am I doing now? That reorients me to the present moment. Remember, anxiety is about the future, and this reorients me to the moment, this present moment. So practicing presence or mindfulness is another way we've talked about it. Presence means that you are alert and aware of what's around you, to the sounds and, and the feelings. So you can easily stand here, and sometimes I'll just go, okay, I'm, I can feel the earth underneath me. I can feel the seat underneath me. I can feel where I am. I can feel the temperature in the air around me on my, my skin. What am I smelling? What am I hearing? What am I seeing? And that brings me to processing this current moment, not what's out there. And that brings me to the next thing that I think is important. And is it to be aware or to maybe even beware of the scrolling that often happens in these moments? We go looking for news and we believe that knowing some information is going to reassure us. But I want to remind you that the people creating that information want your eyeballs looking at it. They're not there to assure you. They're there to lock in your gaze. That's true of news. It's true of videos. They're trying to capture our attention. And we've got to be very careful where we put our attention. Sometimes we can go through what they've called dread scrolling, right, where you just keep on going through. And I find myself often getting caught up in news. And I try to limit my news exposure. I don't watch um, live news, and I'll put that in quotes. I don't watch the TV reports. Um, I try to read news to keep updated because there's a difference between reading and seeing the videos, and that's helpful for me. But sometimes I realize in these moments of crisis, and I realized it when politics was swirling around and when COVID was swirling around, and now as war is swirling around, that I can get wrapped up in looking for the latest moment that will somehow give me reassurance. And usually all I'm met with is more bad news. And so even as our search for reassurance happens, it usually doesn't get us what we want. So beware of the scrolling that can come along with that and manage yourself so that you don't get wrapped up into constantly looking for more and more information. The next thing I would recommend is working on a little meditation. Now, meditation for a lot of people, they tell me it's so hard because they find that their mind just wanders while they're meditating. And, and what I usually say is, well, that is the point, right? Meditation is a way of learning that our brains keep thinking. And there's a reminder there that a thought really is a thought. I've got a podcast on that that I've linked to in the show notes. But those thoughts that run around in our head aren't necessarily true. And they aren't necessarily helpful. And meditation helps us to understand that. So find a meditation that works for you. There are lots of different uh, ways to meditate. There are different devices that can help. Uh, there's walking meditation. There's eating meditation. Most of us do those things. Uh, there's quiet meditation where you reflect on your breath or look at a, uh, a candle or have some other uh, point of fixation or prayer or something else. Because even in prayer, what you notice is those thoughts often intrude on where you want to be. And so all of those practices are there to help us remember to control our own thinking and to not let ourselves follow just because a thought pops in our head. 
A thought is, after all, a thought. Also, I think we need to be sure we avoid nostalgizing, thinking about the good old days. Because as I mentioned at the beginning, we are in moments of of difficult days with lots coming at us, lots of events coming at us, but that's not new. And sometimes we like to pretend that this is all new, that our ancestors never went through this, that earlier generations didn't have to go through this, that maybe even at an earlier age, you didn't go through it. But what that often means is we weren't aware of it or you weren't a part of it, or that we remember the the way things were a little different than they really were. So avoid nostalgizing. That only takes us to places that never really existed in times that never really existed. And finally, you can ask the question, so what can I do? We talked about what you can control, and one of those is action. So what can I do? How can I help the world be better? What do I need to do to help the world be better? And uh, that would be uh, an important piece. I, I think sometimes we get wrapped up in saying, how do I defend myself, right? How do I get my, my rights? And my bigger question is, how do we help the world? How can we enter into a place where we're trying to serve to leave the world better than we found it? These are crazy times. But I think we can find our calm. That's the challenge of thriving. It's not when life is easy. It's what we do when life gets to be the struggle. So find your calm in these crazy times. This is Lee Balkum wishing you the best as you work to build your thriving life. listening to the Thrivology podcast. Thank you for listening. If you want more information, visit us at thrivology.com or at thrivologymagazine.com. Remember that Thrivology is spelled T H R I V E O L O G Y. It's your life. Time to live it.